Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Front End Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. My name is Evan Payne. I'm a senior front end developer at Actimo, and with me, as always, is my co-host Scott Francis, a senior front end engineer at Porsche. How you doing, Scott? Hey, uh, yeah, really good. Um, kind of um, enjoying the calm before the storm because uh, tomorrow is the last day of school for uh, for the kids. <laughs> And yeah. so, like the the three month summer holiday begins, and, and the uh, the the challenge that that brings starts on Wednesday. Yeah. I feel so I feel enjoying, like had, enjoying this time now. <laughs> I feel like we've had dry runs in advance of this with all of the staying at home. So we'll see, but it's going to be hot. That's for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. So today's episode is sponsored by NetCentric, an award-winning Adobe Global Alliance partner and consultancy headquartered in Switzerland with offices all over Europe as well as Pune, India. They're currently still hiring for a number of roles, so if you're looking, check them out. We are, as ever, so glad to have their support with this show. This time around, we have a guest with us. His name is Jason Langsdorf. He's VP of Developer Experience at Netlify and host of LearnWithJason.dev. Jason, how are you doing? And maybe you could give us a brief intro on yourself and how you got into this crazy front-end world. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I am a front-end developer entirely through my own failure. I uh, wanted to be a rock star and in in support of trying to make myself into a rock star, learned how to build us websites and and, uh, do a bunch of other things online to organize street teams and book shows and all the things you have to do to make your band work. And so when the band broke up, I realized uh, that I wasn't a very good musician, but I had learned all these other skills. And so I turned that into a career as a a web developer. Nice. How how long did it take you to make that connection? I ask because I was a filmmaker and it took me quite a long time to realize that I wasn't as good at that as I was at this. Um, It took me a Let's see. I probably spent about four years in that band trying hard. We we toured. Uh, we used to play like 200 shows a year on the road. So we were almost constantly just living in a van. And I think in about 2007 was when we had a hard conversation because we were we were not a bad band, but we weren't a good band. So we were in that kind of middle zone where you can get a record deal, but you're not going to get you're not going to be like on top 40 radio or anything like that. You'll be that band that grinds and you're the only way you make a living is by continually being on the road and continually playing shows because otherwise you just cannot make enough money to survive. Um, so we were, we, yeah, we, (laughs) we had a hard conversation where we sat down and realized that, you know, we didn't like each other enough to be in a van for the next 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice to hear somebody come on the show and be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't really want to be a front end developer. I wanted to be a rock star." Like I was, I was exactly the same thing. I didn't quite, com- I did not quite commit to it uh, the way that you did. I was never living in a band or a, in a in a van or anything like that. But like we tried, we pra- we we practiced a lot. We uh, we got really tight. We played in like we played many many shows, and um, then for me that was the that was the point where i was like do you know what i need to do something else and definitely like web development is the future for me i'm leaving i'm moving from england to spain like um it's been fun i'll see you all again sometime yeah yeah i think it's, talk- you know i think one of the things that's important to keep it's been like a common thread through my entire life is that you have to chase the thing that's most interesting to you right like cuz i think that you're willing to put a little extra effort in when it's something that's fascinating when you're when you're fully engrossed in it and so trying to remember that you know chasing something interesting and even if that thing that's interesting doesn't directly tie toward the thing you're trying to do like you know being a, a musician and i got really interested in like customizing our myspace page and learning how to make tour posters and designing merch and all that stuff was it was interesting so i did it and that first of all, saved us money because we didn't have to find somebody that we could pay to do that for us. And second of all, I was accidentally building a skill set. And and once I realized that I had accidentally built the skill set, I've learned to just steer into that. I have uh, this this slogan that I've put on stickers and stuff, play until it pays, where if you're, if you're having fun, 
your learning skills. And the Venn diagram for skills is so much closer to a circle than people realize because the core of like every skill set, a huge amount of it is just learning how to learn, being interested, being willing to pay attention to details. You know, the rest of it's just details of, of that specific skill and like practice of that specific skill. So it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating how much of a given thing will carry over into the next career if you start looking for those overlaps. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think like the it, interesting that you mentioned there the details. I think that um, that like that was really a part of like me for music. It was like every time we'd go into practice, every time we'd write a new song, it was always like yeah, like that's okay. You learn how to play it, but then the details like refining it and getting it so that it's like mm-hmm. so there's like nice stops in there, interesting little t- interesting little things in the song. And now, yeah, you're absolutely right. Trans- transfer that, like, I could make a direct correlation to that encoding now. Like, yeah, we'll put the bare, we'll put the bare bones on a component or something, but then what's the next iteration? Oh, yeah, we're going to refine it. We're going to make it, like, so it's, like, super smooth. And then, like, the final, like, brushing things up and, like, making it, like, absolutely as perfect as it can be. Um, yeah, like, it directly, cor- directly correlates to, like, my approach to, to that time with the music, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what I always looked for was uh, uh, where you hit flow state, you know, when you're concentrating so much on something that you just lose track of time. And, you know, yes, writing music to a degree, you can find that in, or I found that in pretty easily when I was younger. Uh, sometimes writing prose or like, you know, stream of consciousness, I would do my kind of quote meditations by doing these 750 word things in the mornings or whatever it would be. And I'd find some flow there. But you know, at a certain point, I realized that while I was supposed to be doing my kind of main job, uh, I was tinkering around on the web, you know, I was experimenting with stuff. And that was not my job, right? I my job was like doing sales stuff or whatever it was at the time. I mean, I've got a lot of jobs, but I was doing this as my way of finding flow, I would get immersed in just sort of like, why doesn't this quite work yet? It's not anything complex. It's just a WordPress theme thing. But like, why isn't it doing this thing that I wanted to do? I'm sure I can make it happen. And then hours would go by. Mm. And once, like someone pointed out to me that that's what I was doing. It was like a light bulb went off. And it's like, oh, I really like I have found a calling here. I did not realize that I'd stumbled into that. But it's as you say, there's this you know, if you're having a good time, if you're enjoying this, doing it, even if you're just experimenting, you are picking up these skills along the way. And you don't know how good you've gotten, actually, if you're not getting real direct feedback on that. It's it's kind of exciting uh, to hear someone else say that as well. This is a little bit of a segue, I think. Sure. Um, our episode title this time around, we always try to tie it into superhero stuff. I went with build your own superpowers. The idea of like, you know, Tony Stark making an Iron Man suit um, or any of those that make these exoskeletons and stuff. And the reason I brought it to this is because you working for Netlify uh, along Mm -hmm. with some other fantastic people. And we want to talk a little bit about the culture there uh, and how you continue to foster that. But you um, and Netlify have this track record of finding the the glue that fits these things together. So finding the right abstraction to take away the pain of doing these things that are really complicated in a way that Mm -hmm. super empowers people. Um, I remember the first time I deployed a site on Netlify of just linking up the GitHub repo and then making a change to that repo. And it was like the build happened without me having to do anything. And it was just live and it was just... And I had my HTTPS certificate and like, I'm a total fanboy for sure. You're not sponsoring the show or anything. It was just <laughs> such, I felt so empowered. So I want us to talk a bit about that. And um, I'm, I've am i heard you talk about that elsewhere, but maybe, you know, you can talk about how that, uh, if you feel like that's part of how Netlify is and your, your own way of thinking too. Absolutely. I, I mean, one of the reasons that I joined Netlify was because I like the Netlify approach to things. I, I feel like the, you know, at the core of everything, what Netlify is trying to do is make front-end developers as productive as possible. Like if you if you look at modern web teams, the thing that's slowing us down isn't that we're not good enough at, at building websites. It's not that we 
don't have good enough ideas. It's not that we can't build quickly. It's that getting a website deployed, getting a website kind of the infrastructure for it, it goes so far outside of a, of a front end developer's skill set. You know, to to get a site up and scaled and provision a certificate, and you know, suddenly you're not writing a front end site anymore. You're like standing up a Docker container and configuring Kubernetes and trying to figure out how a, a you know a DNS gateway works. And you're suddenly you know like this is not front end skill. This is this is now ops. You're you're into back end. You're into DevOps. You're into release management and release engineering. And these are skills that like there are whole fields at big companies, there's a whole team dedicated to this. But when you're a small web team, you don't always have the resources to bring in a DevOps specialist or a, a backend specialist. You're just there to build a website. And so when you get to that point, whoever draws the short straw has to figure out how all that stuff works. And what I, what I like about Netlify is that they looked at that process and they said, well, what if web teams could just go live? And by all the things that you said, and even a little bit on the the back end side with like serverless functions, you can you can write a little bit of JavaScript and you put it in a folder and it goes live and now you've got an API route. And with you know if you need redirects or or custom URLs, write a, write a line of code in a in a file and now you've got redirects and you've configured the whole proxy. You never have to learn what nginx or Apache or any of that stuff even is. Um, to me, that's that's kind of what gives front-end developers superpowers. If, if I can just think about my front-end development experience and build that, I can test it locally. You know, I've got, uh, whether you're using the, the framework's local dev experience or if you're using Netlify CLI has a, a Netlify dev that runs your serverless functions and stuff for you locally. Um, all of that stuff just happens. And then when you're ready, you commit it to Git and it goes live and you get to like, you know, go on your break. And if something goes wrong, you don't have to worry about getting paged because it's set up to like roll back in one click. So again, this is all about like making you as a front end developer as autonomous as possible and as confident as possible in building web experiences for any scale. You know, you can you can run this to millions and millions of people like the the COVID-19 tracking project did where they had you know, millions of API requests coming in over and over and over again. And they didn't even, the only way they knew was because they looked at their analytics. They didn't have to go deal with emergency scaling because of an in, influx of traffic. Uh, or you can do it for your personal site and, you know, stand it up and get your portfolio online in a weekend. And, you know, it's on our free tier and hey, you're super happy, right? Because you didn't have to think about where the server goes. What, what is web hosting? Like if I'm a, if I'm a developer trying to break into the industry, I don't want to have to learn six areas of the stack to get my portfolio online. I just want to build my portfolio and say, hey, I'm a web developer looking for work. Yeah, my uh, my daughter was doing some uh, intro to web dev on, on front-end masters, and she's not really that interested, but like we were just kind of like, just give it a try and mm-hmm. see. And um, it didn't really click for her until she started messing around on YouTube with the dev tools because they showed Ooh, her yeah. the dev tools. Then she was like, oh, I can change how many likes my video has. Isn't that amazing? Um, and then she was building something and she was like, oh, um, what can, can I um, can I see this? Can I send this to my teacher? And I, at first I was like, oh, you know, uh, it's going to, we got to do the hosting. And then I was like, oh, wait, hang on. There's this Netlify drop thing uh, that I saw Cassie post about. Yeah, let's let's try that for her. And sure enough, zip this little index file she'd made with the inline CSS, dropped it in there, and boom, it was live. It was just like magic for her as well. And you could see her yeah. eyes light up. Now, being a preteen, she hasn't really done anything since, but still, it was a magical moment. <laughs> I, I mean, I really do think that's a big thing, though. Like, I know that um, for a lot of people, when they learn HTML and CSS, that that feeling of seeing something materialize, you know, it's like when you're you're doing crafts. If you if you're working with your hands, you get to see something become real, and it's it's great to like you're doing ceramics and you you have a lump of clay and then like at the end of your session, that clay looks like something. And I think with HTML and CSS, you get a little bit of that same feedback where you you are writing some code and by the end of it, there's things on the screen. You've added text and images and you've made things lay out a little bit. Um, and being able to show people that by using something like Netlify Drop or, or quickly adding it up to a, a GitHub site. Um, 
that's like the ultimate payoff. I built a thing and now you can look at it. Uh, that's the, it's the equivalent of like posting that ceramic on Instagram, on Instagram or something. It's like, you can say, look at this site that I built. Um, and you know, maybe it's, it's, it's kind of like, well, maybe this isn't the best thing that's ever been built, but damn it, it's mine. I made this <laughs> and I love that feeling. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, like I think that, uh, I did this, I did the similar thing, uh, to Evan, but, um, with my girlfriend, she was talking about like, um, maybe like taking up, uh, web development. And so, um, bought her a domain name and then set everything up for her with Netlify. Um, just, and like she had a, she had a website. It just, it was, it was nothing. It was just her name, like on a, on a HTML page. But I think to actually be able to get something up and running that quickly, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, for me, like longer term, like this is something that, I mean, say, say anybody in a, um, in a university or even like a high school, like if they can, if they would go into this and, uh, like set, um, have the power to set up, uh, websites for each student, like, and mm-hmm. really get things up and running that quickly. I mean, like completely, like it's an, another teaching thing, but, um, I remember my brother-in-law saying like how he was a music teacher and he was saying like how, when, like teenage boys would walk into his classroom and say like, I'm not interested in music. Um, and he was like, I need a hook to actually make them see that music's good. So he, he just asked him, give me a mobile phone. Like, like what ringtone have you got? And it was always a song. Um, and he said, I would just play it on the piano. And instantly they realized, Oh yeah, I am actually interested in music. Like I'm going to pay attention to this. Like, um, similar thing with the, the similar thing with this solution. I mean, like, you know, if you, if you can actually like, like really quickly get something that's like that's complex let's be honest it's complex to do these things but then suddenly it's not they can go away and like each student can go and show their parents hey look what i did today like, yeah such a power such a powerful thing like and really like opens up so many opens up the industry to so many like young people what i've seen it do as well is um it encourages not just experimentation, but swift experimentation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you see people that sort of just try something out during the weekend and put it up and share it, whereas they might not have shared it. They might have just fiddled with it. Or, you know, there's plenty of CodePen examples that are fantastic where they, they put stuff together there. And that is, <laughs> I think that that kickstarted this idea of let me share these right. little things I do. But then to be able to pivot from that experiment into something much more practical, it's harder to do when it just existed first as a code pen versus well, actual an actual domain. Yeah, and I think you know what what you just mentioned is actually I think the thing that is is potentially the most exciting part of this for me, which is the the speed that it unlocks. It's whether that's as an individual, like you know, you see people who just have an idea like, uh, you know, Lynn Fisher is one of my favorite creators on the internet where she just has an idea and she throws it together. And suddenly you're looking at like, she got really into the, the sitcoms Shit's Creek and she made a dress, dress David Rose, uh, like kind of paper doll thing where she, she designed every single outfit that he wore and you could like put them on uh, a little character of him on his website. I don't know why she wanted to do that, but it's incredible. It's so cool to see. Um, and, and, you know, to see that, that because she has these ideas and because the tools let her go fast, she can focus on the creative part and not get bogged down in the, the logistics. And what I love about this more than anything is that I'm watching this scale up as bigger and bigger teams are getting onto Netlify. We're seeing similar things like front end teams now, because they can do branch based deploys or PR deploys, you're seeing people like they're shipping all sorts of features that previously would have been, uh, we don't have time for that, or no, there's no way we're going to get that added to the sprint. Now it's like, well, I can show you how this works in five minutes. And then they put up the PR and they can send you a live URL of what the thing is. And and we see like Netlify itself is built on, on Netlify, which is kind of a meta thing. But um, <laughs> our app.netlify.com is a Netlify site. And we push to production probably six, seven times a day now. Um, and that that's strictly enabled because the front end team doesn't have to, you know, go ask for ops to review anything or pull a release or they just, once the team's reviewed that pull request and they're happy with it, merge it, it goes live. They're happy. So the experimentation, the speed of getting things out to the world is dropping like from a team of one where you're, you know, a, a teenager wanting to try something out. You just learn this stuff in high school 
or whether it's a a giant team like you know we've got the biggest retail grocery store in Canada Loblaws is is using Netlify and they're you know they're similarly like super fast to get things out now um versus a traditional more enterprisey like oh it's probably three weeks minimum to get this feature into production if you want to see it you got to go through four teams there's a lot of review and QA hoops that you got to jump through and you know just it gets slow and that stifles I don't want to do it now because I don't want to put up with all the the red tape um so I'm really excited to see that people can get creative without getting that creativity stomped on in in bureaucracy along the way yeah, what what I my experience has been as well of cobbling these tools together. So, like from for my kind of main side project, um, like it's it's hosted on Netlify, even though it's an Angular app, right? So it kind of mm-hmm. only has an entry point, but still, um, the process of deployment and all the hosting and stuff is just done and taken care of. And I do use some of the serverless functions because I liked that integration with my build better than I liked Firebase, but my database is Firebase because I didn't want to bother hosting a database. So, Mm -hmm. so far everything free tier because there's not very much traffic. And when there is, I know it'll scale. So I don't have to deal with that or hire a DevOps guy first. I can probably hire like someone backend or another frontender if that, you know, if I'm earning enough money off of it and then to to warrant the traffic kind of a thing. And then the Stripe integration as well, they had some CLI tools and like before I knew it, it was like, you don't have an excuse not to go live and start earning a little bit of side money off of this anymore. You know, it's wild. Um, it? It was wild. It was, and, and it hadn't happened before, you know, there had been like experiments. Netlify has been around for a while for me, but just there more and more things have started coming where it's just, you just piece it together and your creativity is in the functionality, the thing that you mm-hmm. want to build, not in like this, you know, spread out, um, trying to do everything and wear all hats. You know, you you can focus yeah. on what you're best at and allow the uh, use the Legos for the rest. Yep. Yeah, it was a good process. Um, another segue, sort of, which is um, the other thing that you do a lot is learning and teaching, and I like that you do both. Um, you know, I, I've seen you give presentations and I know that you know your stuff, obviously, um, and you're willing to share and give that back. But I've seen you also put yourself out uh, into this sort of novice position quite a lot um, and allow other people to teach you and and help uh, guide your listeners and viewers to shared understanding as well. Mm. Um, that's that's its own that's a skill in and of itself. But I do see that correlating a lot with front enders. They tend to be at that little uh, crux between you know knowing things like an expert and being willing to learn new things constantly. So I wonder um, how is it you came into that? What made you sort of kind of attach yourself to that and and keep going with it? Um, the I mean the the. The core of where I do this is in Learn With Jason, right? And and Learn With Jason was a happy accident. I was, uh, at the time I was, I was at Gatsby and we were trying to find ways to better engage with the community. We were trying to think, you know, how do we get more people to, because we couldn't go to meetups, right? I was a, De- I was a DevRel team of one. Um, so I, I could go to, however many events I could go to in a given month, say three tops. And each of those events you go and you talk to, if you're lucky, you get a hundred people to show up in your room and then it goes up on YouTube. And when it goes up on YouTube, if you're lucky, it gets like 500 long, like long tail views in its lifetime. And then it just kind of like rots away and you just, you don't reach people that way. You, you get a, you get very good in-person connections and then a rapidly diminishing returns. And so we were trying to think of how do we, how do we connect to more people? And so I had this idea to just pair program with somebody because I was trying to, I was also just trying to learn things, right? And so I was frustrated trying to connect Gatsby to, I think I was trying to use AWS Amplify or something. And so I just sent a message to Nader Dabit and I was like, hey, will you pair program with me on, on how Amplify works? And I'm just going to stream it to Twitch. And he was like, yeah, sure, let's try it. So he came on, we got on a Zoom call, we worked on an Amplify project together, we got a Gatsby site deployed. And at the end of it, I was like, man, that was, that was fun. And then I noticed that a lot of people watched that because they were trying to get their Gatsby sites onto AWS Amplify. Um, 
so then I, I booked another one and I, like, I was the, the guide on this one. I paired with somebody who was learning how to build Gats- a Gatsby site. I think Emma Bastian was trying to do images. And so I asked her, you know, Hey, do you want to pair on this live? And she was like, sure, let's do it. Um, and ultimately I decided I didn't want to put people under pressure to, to learn from me live because live coding is a lot. And, and, you know, asking somebody to not only do something they're not familiar with, but also deal with a live audience and also deal with the pressure of, of me staring over their shoulder. I decided that wasn't okay. So I, I flipped it to where I was the only one who ever learned on stream. Um, and that was when learn with Jason was born. I was like, okay, so this is a, this is a model that we can follow. Um, and, and I've just kind of noticed that I get a huge amount of value when I'm learning something like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm, I'm 15 years as a dev now. And so when I want to learn something, I don't usually want to read the whole 45 page philosophical document about why this, this code base is written the way that it's written, but I do want to get a sense of that. And the way that you get a sense of how code is written is by seeing somebody go from scratch. But most libraries give you a like NPM init library, and then you have to go read all that boilerplate. And that means you don't really know like which of this is actually required for this thing to run, what of it is so that the demo looks like more than hello world. That stuff is hard. So given the the position that I'm in where I do have access to most of the framework creators, I can just send somebody a DM and say, hey, do you want to teach us how to like build a hello world app with your framework? And then I get to ask all my beginner questions and it creates that, that document that I wish I had when I was trying to learn something. So, you know, we just did one with, um, Fred K shot. We learned about Astro, which is a, a new yeah. front end framework. It looks pretty cool. It, it, you know, static compiles everything down, no JavaScript ship by default. I was like, this is great, but why, how, how are you doing things? Right. And so I, I brought him on and we started with an empty folder and we built the site out. Uh, and I got answers to all those questions. And now I feel much better when I, when people ask me about Astro saying, yeah, go give it a try. It's great. <laughs> um, and, and I think that it's honestly made me more confident as a front end developer, because I don't know, I think one of the things that I used to be afraid of was not knowing things. As I, I started out my career, I was always worried that if I walked into a room and somebody asked me a question and I didn't know the answer. I don't know what I thought would happen. I guess I was worried that they would just like show me the front door and be like, well, it turns out you, you don't belong here after all. And I was just kind of worried I was going to lose my pass. I like, they take away my internet access or something. Um, but as I, as I started getting more confident, I was more willing to say, I don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me? And a couple things happened. First, I realized that I learned much faster if I asked those questions. And so it makes me a better dev. Second, I learned that I am almost never the only person in the room with that question, but usually I'm the only person in the room with enough privilege to ask that question. And so taking advantage of the fact that I am a senior dev, that I'm a white guy, that nobody's questioning my credentials. If I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you explain that to me? I'm much less likely to get assumed not to know what I'm talking about. So they usually are willing to take the time to explain it instead of saying, oh, well, this is for serious devs. It's like, okay, look at me. I'm a serious dev and you're not explaining this well. <laughs> so uh, so being able to to ask those questions, I think is, it, it, it helps me get a better foundational understanding of things. And it really, really helps for somebody who doesn't feel comfortable asking that, like, I'm, I don't know, like I need the 101 on this. Um, and then the last part of it too is that being in that situation where I get to go from scratch, um, it's given me a great opportunity to be a little bit of a springboard because I can bring somebody in to teach me something who's new to the industry, who is, you know, like I love talking to a junior dev who's just learned something and they, they're excited to share it. And then I just get to pretend that I don't know. And they'll teach me something that maybe I've done it a hundred times, but it's so much fun to just ask them, yeah, how are you thinking about this? I've learned so many incredible ways to think about programming and code and how people reason about stuff because I'm willing to let somebody explain it again when I already know how to do it. And I actually think that's made me far better as a dev because I have lateral ways of, of thinking about code. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't hurt that like those videos, you know, I was talking about if you go to an event and you give a talk, those talks, they age very quickly because usually talks are kind of point in time. You're, this thing just got released or here's an idea for right now. Um, when you show somebody how to do a basic programming concept, when I have somebody on and they teach me like 
here's how to do state management in React. React is probably good. It's probably got another few good years of life in it, right? People are always asking, how do you do state management in React? So when you put that video out there, a lot, it reaches a lot of people. It's very helpful to folks. Um, and so it's kind of solved that problem of how do you, how do you reach more people when you can't get everybody to the same place? Like, especially now we're in a world where you can't do a lot of in-person events. And honestly, even when, when we get to the point of safety where we can do in-person events, I don't think it's going away. I don't think anybody's ever going to give up this, this global access that we had through the hybrid events. So I think that's the future now. So, you know, I, I love this format and it's, it's something that I hope to see a lot more people take advantage of. I guess it helps. Um, I guess it helps everybody though involved in like in tech. I mean, not just like, um, not just for the people who are actually learning the thing, but the people who come on your show and explain in depth, like mm. the exposure that that gives them, like, and let's be honest, a lot of the time, if you if people are writing documentation, then it's not something that they really like, they're really, really wanting to do. I mean, it's the key for, it's the key for success for sure. But as you said, like sometimes you don't want to read all of that documentation to mm-hmm. like, uh, to get there and you don't understand it. So um, just by giving you giving them the chance to come on and explain what they've created and how these things work. I mean, that kind of exposure, it's like, um, really something i guess that they actually like find super useful as well um and if it's somebody who's actually coming on and they've not like developed a new framework just the chance to come on and maybe they don't even have like complete what they would think of as complete understanding of a subject but just to come on and explain it to you i mean how many times I, i find the easiest way to really learn something is to actually just to teach somebody how to do it um it yeah. really enforces knowledge so like everything like um all of that like running into to your shows is just it's win-win for everybody as far as i can see i feel very fortunate to have kind of stumbled upon this format i it was you know i, I again you play until it pays right like it was it was a thing i tried and i kind of enjoyed it and i was like well what would make that more enjoyable and and that's how the show has kind of evolved because at the beginning I didn't really participate. I didn't ha- the chat didn't participate at all. Like people, when people watched chat was allowed, but I didn't really look at it because I didn't want to detract from the the guest. And then over time I was like, you know, what would be more fun is like, what if this was a little bit of kind of a running Q and a, so let's bring the chat in. And then I had an idea. Some, I saw somebody else on Twitch had done these fun things where the chat can actually control portions of the stream. And I was like, Oh, well, let's bring some interactivity. And that looks like fun. And so I think I had somebody come on and they came on the show and taught me how to do it. So we, you know, we built this interactivity into the show. Um, hmm. And now the show, if you look at it, you know, the people are like, wow, your show's so polished. It's like, I, it wasn't though. You know, I'm over, I've done over 200 episodes of the show now and each one gets a little bit better because I, I learned something and I try something new and make one small tweak. And so the show is a, is a process. You know, I think a lot of people look at, at, anything, especially in careers, we, we look at our careers and we go, oh, I'm going to do a project to get to this job or to learn this skill or to become an expert in X. And you, you get this idea in your head that you're going to climb this mountain, get to the stop, plant your flag and never have to learn again, right? Or never have to work again. And that's just not how this stuff works. It's always a process. Everything that you're doing is, you know, it's a, a never ending cycle of I'm going to learn something and then adjust my expectations and then learn something and adjust my expectations. And every time you learn, you're kind of getting a broader view of what's possible. And so even if that, that first goal is the top of a mountain, getting to the top of that mountain just gives you a better view of all the other mountains you can climb. And, and so I think that we have to embrace that and not get this sense that we're going to, there's no end point. There's no finish line, right? Like Hmm. the finish line is death. And I'm not in a hurry to get there. <laughs> I mean, but it cycles back around to what we were talking about with your your own sort of origin story. It just echoes mine as well. Is this, you know, you're you're not really always aware that you're learning something, right? Right. You're struggling through, you're trying to figure out how it works, and then you sort of like, you got it, and then you move on to the next thing. And, you know, having these recorded sessions, talking it through, even if it's like, you know, internal to your company, giving talks or encouraging others to, or having a mentorship thing going on, all these things are actually this, hey, don't forget to pay attention to what you're learning too, 
because you need to apply not just I figured out a technique, but mm-hmm. the the meta side of things too, right? You know, um, if you're paying attention to what you're learning, you can start seeing the patterns. If you never notice it, then you'll miss those. Um, uh, you know, I absolutely I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, it's uh, it's words are taken out of my mouth in this instance, and it's great. I, I think it's a really great way to go about things, and you can see that people are benefiting. Um, I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to harp on it too much, but that's always been the way that I've uh, gone about it as well. Is okay. I got to do some NGRX stuff now. Um, I mean, I know it, but um, I'm about to go into like this serious refactor thing. Maybe I should just try and teach the rest of the time, like a rich rest of the team uh, best practices. Mm-hmm. Let me let me put a little talk together just for the just for the team, and then just in the explaining of it, I've I've understood some of the reasons why these choices happen because I was like, well, why is this a best practice? I don't know. Let me let me try and apply something to that because I I can see from all the code examples that this is a best practice, but there's no explanation on the website of exactly right. why. There might be a talk somewhere, but I don't have time for that. I got to do this thing tomorrow because I didn't do it until tonight because that's the way I am. Um, yeah. You know that 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 sort of thing of of having to share that information with someone else really helps you solidify uh, and find these connections. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, um, another topic that I want to discuss before we sort of wrap up, I guess, is this idea of, um, I don't know, uh, paying it forward, bringing other people up. Like, how do you, in general, kind of keep an eye out for yourself if you start getting into this hardcore, let's say, you know, you, you start giving talks, giving conference talks, you know, writing papers, doing all this stuff. One, how do you make sure you keep yourself healthy uh, while doing all of that? And two, how do you find the right way to to put that out there? I mean, you seem to have found some good stuff with your own sites. Um, but have you have you seen other people kind of go down this route successfully and 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 sort of start to give back and share uh, in, a, in, in a way? Yeah. So I've, I've seen uh, a lot of people do this in a lot of different ways. So, so everything that I'm about to say, you know, steeped heavily in survivorship bias. It worked for me, uh, might not work for you. But what I will say is a couple consistent things that I've seen work for everybody. Uh, the, the first one is be consistent. If you show up every day and you do a little bit of work, it will pay off. Uh, James Clear has this this graph that I've seen on his website where he talks about getting one percent better every day, and if you look at the the improvements of one percent better every day, you'd think it's this really slow climb, but because one percent better every day, that's compounding interest, right? So it actually turns into a lot of growth in a relatively short period of time. So I, I I've I've phrased this before as like it'll feel like nothing's happening, and then it'll happen all at once. If you you show up to the meetups, you talk to people on Twitter, you do the networking, you, tr- you know, apply for those jobs, do the practice exercises, all that stuff that you want to do. It'll feel like nobody's paying attention. And then all of a sudden you'll have five job offers. And, and I, I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I've watched multiple people go through this where they're, they're sending me message saying, this is never going to work. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to go do something else. I'm like, just stick with it. I, I promise this is going to work. And you know, they, they're like, fine, I'm going to do this one more thing. And then they, they get that first job interview and that gives them the confidence. Then suddenly they've got three job interviews and, and then they've got offers. Um, and, and, you know, the same thing is true with speaking and the same thing is true with, you know, making podcasts or, or doing live streaming or, or any kind of creative work is you're going to spend a long time with a small audience because you have to build up the habit. You have to build up the consistency so that people know they can trust that your content's still going to be there. Nobody wants to invest. You know, there's nothing worse than getting really into a show just to find out that it gets canceled after one season, right? And so if you are looking at new content, you're looking for somebody who's got a demonstrated pattern of of showing up and being there. Um, and that's true for, you know, conferences looking for people to invite. Uh, they're looking for speakers who have been doing it, who've, who've shown that they get the work done. Um, it's true for, you know, companies, the reason that 
seems like the same eight people get hired at literally every company. It's because they've they've been out in the community showing that they do the work. And and so they always get the job offer when they become available. And so, you know, at a at a that's kind of at the, you know, the rich get richer stage where you're a super visible person in the community and therefore you get all the opportunities. But that happens at lower levels too. And the thing that's really important, I think, is if you find yourself as one of those people who does have access to those opportunities, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that you don't have time for, that you don't want. So don't just say, I don't have time for that. Say, hey, I'm not able to do it, but here's a list of amazing people that I see in the community who can help you. Like, give people that boost because so much of this industry is based on network. And that's why I think it's such a so important to join communities, be active on Twitter, get into some Discord groups, show up on people's streams and, and interact. Uh, you know, be be somebody who's out in the community being helpful and and doing your best and, and participating because if I see you show up in all the places that I am doing the best that you can, I'm going to drop your name when somebody says, hey, I need someone to teach a workshop. Well, I don't have time to teach a workshop, but you know who does? Nick DeJesus. He's everywhere. He's doing the work. Get him in there, right? And and now Nick is at the point where he's so busy <laughs> that he has to hand <laughs> off work. Um, and and it's great because you get to see that cycle go where like, you know, Nick Nick needed the shout out. Now Nick's the one giving the shout outs. Um, and, I, and I think that's, but that's the way this industry works is, is so much of that. Um, so, you know, show up, be there, get involved in the community. And then the, the other thing that I think is important is when you are putting your work together, remember that no one but you is going to talk about it at first. So you have to collect that work somewhere. I know it's uncomfortable, but you got to share it. You got to market yourself a little bit, put it on a website, tweet about your website. Did you build something? go share it, put it on, put it on. I mean, be like, take this with a grain of salt, but like share it on Reddit or the orange website or, like, put it on Twitter, you know, wherever you feel safe, right? Like there, there are communities that are more safe than others to, to put ideas out there, but definitely don't just hide it. Like if you did something, even if it's something that you are sure that everybody else has already made, it doesn't matter. Show that you built, show that you built it. Uh, like I just tweeted out a thing the other day, that it turns out there are probably a hundred different versions of, which was like a click to tweet text generator. I built it. I shared it. I know that that exists everywhere, but hey, I wanted to figure out how it worked. So I made one (laughs) and you got to share it because no one else is going to go find that for you. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's a a really big one. Uh, And you have to do that. Like I'm really bad about doing that. Like I'll like tinker like this weekend I built something uh, and I'm like I did it and now because I've done that 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 rush that satisfaction is kind of passed and there's that extra twenty percent that needs to be done before mm-hmm. I can call it a thing really and I don't want to do that twenty percent because I already solved the main problem yeah but the truth is like just putting that out there with a little disclaimer or saying like hey I know this is unfinished but proof of concept here's the code is mm-hmm. way better than just keeping it silent, keeping it to myself. Yeah. Um, the thing that I've noticed over the years is that, yeah, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. Someone has done that before. But just like you don't know everyone that's done that before, not everyone else has seen those things that other people have done before either. And yours might be the first one they encounter. And if you explain it in a way that resonates with them, well, then you've helped someone out where it wouldn't have if you'd stay silent. So... Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's the thing, Evan. Like that's that's totally the thing. Like maybe you resonate with somebody more than other people do. Like maybe mm-hmm. people just get the way that you present that thing. Um, and there could be like a hundred examples of it, but maybe your way of presenting is particularly good. Or like even if it just reaches like a couple of people who like and it helps them out, then like you know, then it's still a great thing. It's still a nice thing to have done. Um, and it's not like you didn't do the work in the first place. So why not, why not give it like you, you, um, you always talk, you always talk about these things. Even when we were working together, you'd always have like things going on and you like, and it was like, oh, well, I didn't quite finish it. So, so you, you definitely should. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, a good way to think about it is like, if you look at entertainment, right? Like every song that comes out, is about something that has been said before. We've all heard songs about relationships and heartbreak and love and dancing, but those songs are still being made and we still like them, right? Because it's a new take. It's a fresh look. 
The same is true with TV. How many sitcoms do we need about families before we go, oh, no more sitcoms about families? It'll never happen because we all have families and a fresh look at it gives us something to, to look at. Comedy is the same way. It's every single stand-up comedian for the most part is making jokes about human relationships. And those jokes, they're not like they're all derivative in some way, but they're all unique in other ways. And I think that that's the important thing to keep in mind is that people, people don't go to your blog for a hundred percent unique content. There are very few people that you go to because you want to see something you've never seen before. Usually what you're looking for is somebody who you feel is that resembles your experience, who's close enough to you in terms of their learning curve or similar to you in terms of background or, you know, like I imagine that people who are ex-musicians and and who like being silly probably like my content a whole lot more than people who look at me and think, wow, that guy's a joker. <laughs> but, you know, like that for for the people who see my content and and it resonates with them. I'm a good source of information. So anything that I write about, my take has some value and it's worth putting out there, you know? And and I think that if I'm learning something and I want to share that, to hold it back because somebody else may have written about it before, you're just doing a disservice to to everybody around you by holding that back because, you know, like I said, I learn from people, I learn things that I definitely already know from people on my show sometimes, and I still learn things. There's, there's never a downside to sharing information as far as I can tell, as long as you're sharing it to people who want it. Um, and when you're sharing through your blog, sharing through like you know, putting a project out there, that's always voluntary. You know, you're not showing up in somebody's mentions and explaining their thoughts to them. You're, you're just putting your ideas out into the world. Um, that's always, that's a net gain for us, I think. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm glad we talked about that um, because and and I'll defend that because we I, I think we've talked about it on the show before. I'll defend coming back to it again because it might not seem like it's very front end specific, but the thing is, as the front end, we're responsible for the visual parts, so we should be connected to that putting things out there like momentum. Um, and it's good to tap into that even in your own, even if you're shy and just a little bit, even if it's sharing with your teammates, sharing with your, you know, other coworkers or something, start small, but build it up and do it consistently, as you say. And it's not just about content creation and podcast. It's about your career as a front ender. Great. So we're getting towards the end of the show, but first up we have our segment, True Hero where we want to highlight a few true front-end heroes working across the planet and to thank them for all that they do. This time around, uh, you nominated Henri Helvetica. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about why you chose them and um, you know what, what, uh, what they do for the community? Yeah, so I, uh, I chose Henri because I've seen Henri work tirelessly on building up communities. He runs... Uh, Jamstack Toronto. He runs um, he, a whole bunch of like he's he's got perf communities and he shows up in web communities around the kind of around the world. Um, but just he's always a, a voice for community and activation. Like he's bringing people together and trying to get them to talk about things. He's been uh, just a, a constant voice of goodness. He's, he's somebody that whenever he's in a room, you always leave that room feeling better, right? And I feel like that's the secret to a healthy community is that you find as many of those people as you can and you just hold on to them. So uh, Henri is, he's incredible. He's also, you know, he's close to my heart, former musician. He, uh, he came up in the, in the music scene, the touring scene um, and, you know, still like DJs around, uh, around Toronto and stuff. He, he DJed an after party for a FITC event. Super fun to see. Um, so I'm always happy to see more, more folks kind of with that, that multidisciplinary background where they're, you know, he's, he's music and fashion and now he's in, uh, in community and, and, uh, and doing all the things he does with tech and front end and perf. So very, 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 very fond of, of Henri and, and all the work that he does in the community. Awesome. Yeah. Once again, Henri, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, lastly here, any proper hero is a well-rounded one, and so we'd like to share some simple musical and or other uh, picks. So Scott, what's the favorite thing you've been into lately? 
Yeah, once again, um, not been listening to music because I uh, just simply don't find the time. But um, I've been been reading a lot and I read another book the last couple of weeks. Um, I try to like learn a little bit about Spain like as I go along. So like read some, like get some history for it because, um, you know, I really like feel myself lacking in that um, mm. as the place I live. Um, picked up a book by an English author um, and it's based around um Barcelona and Real Madrid but telling like trying to tell like the 20th century um through the rivalry between the two football clubs it's called Fear and Loathing in La Liga um by a guy called Sid Lowe um and it was really really good like I like I love football um and I wanted I wanted um like some history of Spain as well absolutely superb piece of writing like really really was so really enjoyed it and thoroughly recommend it awesome thanks not not up my normal alley but uh, <laughs> we're willing to check it out uh jason how about you what do you got for us uh i recently discovered it's a, a new to me artist they've been around for a while but uh cautious clay um mm. it is just a really like excellent unique kind of music i i'm not even going to attempt to describe it because i'm going to get it wrong so just uh just go listen to it it's very very good okay sounds great i love eclectic stuff so i'll check it out um from my side i don't know what triggered it i was feeling nostalgic and um when i was growing up there was this uh, picture that hung up in our hallways um and it wasn't until i was like you know, 12 years old that I made the connection that that was the original artwork for this album cover of my dad's band. And so I, at that stage at 12 sort of went and really listened to that album a lot. And it still has this like fondness. It's not necessarily the band's best album. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, the band of course is little feet in case you didn't know, my dad is the uh, keyboardist for that band. Uh, they're from the 70s. And the album, uh, I forget the title. Oh, no, Spotify is letting me down. There we go. <laughs> it's called Time Loves a Hero. And I don't know. They, like, Not every song on it's great, but most of them are pretty good. And they give a good indication of what Little Feet is like. So Southern Rock, Jam Band, I don't know, mm. early stuff. Give it a listen if you haven't. Sounds pretty um, good. <laughs> Go it check is it pretty out. good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to beat sometimes. So, yeah, that's my pick. Um, great. Looks like all that that is all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, or star us in your podcatcher of choice. Reviews and ratings are how those fancy algorithms help people find our content, and the power to help is within you. If you have any questions or topics you'd like covered in our next episode, send a tweet to us at Heroes Front End and we'll add it to our list. And until next time, Heroes, remember, with great front-end power comes great responsibility. See you next time.